Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, January 25th. The Bank of Canada's first interest rate decision of 2024 was to hold the line and keep the key interest rate at 5%. How does this decision impact Canadians and when will we start to see rates drop? We discuss with Michael Curry, investment advisor with TD Wealth. Federal politicians will be returning to the House of Commons next week. What does the Calgary Chamber hope to see from the feds in the session ahead? We get the thoughts of Deborah Yedlin, president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. And finally, just how much is federal and provincial debt costing the average Canadian? We hear details on a new report on the topic from Jake Fuss, senior economist with the Fraser Institute. Canada's first interest rate decision of 2024 was to do just that, hold the line, keep the key interest rate at 5%. So how does this decision impact Canadians moving forward? When or if will we start to see rates drop? Joining us to talk about it, Michael Curry, investment advisor with TD Wealth. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, and I guess we don't have Michael. <laughs> Says we have Michael on the phone lines, but we've lost the, the call. Is, Michael, oh, are you there? Oh, there there you are. I was speechless. Yeah, I know. Were you speechless by that song? Because it just, you know, told us exactly what we were talking about. Oh, who doesn't love Toto? Come it's, on. Exactly. Okay, Michael, let's uh, let's get to it then. You know, how exactly does the Bank of Canada reach these rate decisions? Is it all about inflation and, and how consumers are spending at the time? Yeah, it's a real balance between recession and inflation. And I thought it was really interesting. The Bank of Canada governor started his announcement with, this is very hard, was his quote. And that's exactly what he's talking about. You raise rates too much, you cause a recession. You cut them too much, you get too much inflation. So it's always a balancing act. They're working on it. They're going very gradual. But but, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough call, not only for investors, but also for the bank itself. Okay, so we know where we are uh, remaining the same. We've parked that rate, Michael, but... I know a lot of folks out there, whether or not it's auto loans or renewing a mortgage, they're watching to see when that rate could drop. What are you seeing now? And uh, let's speculate a bit. Yeah, you're exactly right. The Bank of Canada itself is saying that shelter costs, be that rent or mortgage costs, is the biggest thing pushing them to keep rates higher because they don't want things get inflated there. But we're seeing the, the economy is really starting to flatline since last summer. They're projecting zero growth through the first quarter. They think that'll pick up by mid-year. So what that's really got the consensus view, and TD feels the same, as a handful of people think we might get a rate hike in April, but the market seems to be saying June, and the bond market is very much reacting that way. A rate hike or a rate drop? Uh, oh, sorry, rate drop. Did I say hike? Yeah, sorry you scared that. me there. Rate yeah, drop. You know okay, definitely why? a drop. Yeah, because yeah, we're so used to saying a rate hike. That's why. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of break it down. You know, how do these decisions, whether it's a hold or a drop at this point, how, how truly does that decision impact Canadians in terms of our personal finances and, and our spending, et cetera? Well, yeah, well, they actually came out today and just said that it, they Canadians have been adjusting to these higher rate hikes. They said they've cut their spending, and then, lack of better words, they're kind of getting used to it. And I realize people going in and getting their mortgages renewed aren't really feeling that way. But on the other side, investors, you know, especially a lot of the older clients, a lot of more conservative clients, they're really loving high rates. You're getting, you know, four, four and a half percent just for sitting in cash, getting five percent on your one-year GICs, and doing even better in bonds. So there's a lot where a lot of people, the uh, you know, consumers are having a bit of trouble. A lot of people on the investment side are pretty happy to see these high rates after literally decades of very low rates. Speaking this morning with Michael Curry, investment advisor with TD Wealth. And uh, Michael, I know you, you mentioned that people have adjusted, uh, but beyond adjusting, are there any tools or any paths people can take if they're really up against it with these high rates? 
Uh, I think you really got to expect, like, to follow what the Bank of Canada is doing. They say rates are coming down. If you can push it out a little longer, we should be seeing rate cuts towards the end of the year, which is that really expecting four rate cuts is what the market is saying. That's not guaranteed, but I would go with that. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, two years ago when the Bank of Canada was telling everyone, hey, rates are going up, a lot of people didn't really listen. They went for the variable rate mortgages. They stayed, you know, very long term on some of their bond, their GIC investments. That worked against them. So I'd say, you know, don't go with your gut. Go with what the Bank of Canada is telling you and the market. And advisors, right? I mean, when it comes to whether it's your mortgage or your investing with the way things are right now, it can all change really quickly. It can. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for investors who, because... On the one hand, the the smart decision, when you believe rates are high and about to fall, is what most people are thinking now, the smart decision is go longer term with your investments, especially your fixed income investments, because you can lock in the higher rates before they go down. But where people are caught, and it's not a terrible conundrum, but the short rates are actually higher than the long rates, the inverted yield curve, to use the standard term here. And that makes it a little tricky on both ends, which one do you take, because they both have some appeal. But I think not to get too technical, but a barbell strategy, a little bit short, a little bit long, that's not a bad position for some investors right now. Michael, I'm wondering, you know, I know that it's been a bit of a kick in the pants globally when it comes to supply chain inflation. The the pandemic was quite the, I guess you'd say, speed bump globally. Uh, but are other countries faring better uh, from, from your knowledge? Or are other countries, uh, do they have it in line at this point from pre-pandemic? Well, I can tell you, at least in the stock markets, or as I spend most of my time, of course, I mean, look at just last year, the, the Canadian market was up about 8%. New York was up about 23 That's a massive gap. I mean, other major world economies like Japan are up even higher than that. So it's really getting, you know, the haves and the have-nots. And we're certainly not near the bottom of the pile, but unfortunately, Canada was certainly on the lower end last year. Mm-hmm. We're all watching it together, most definitely, Michael. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Michael Curry, Investment Advisor at TD Wealth. You can get more at TD.com. Federal politicians will be back in the House of Commons next week. So what does the Calgary Chamber hope to see from our federal government in this new session? Joining us to talk about it, Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Hi, Deb. How are you this morning? Do we have you? We have Deborah Yedlin? I think we do. Yeah, can you hear us? Hi, Deb. Hi, hi. There you are. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what you, the chamber, is hoping to sort of see be prioritized by the feds this time around. Well, we're you know we're we're looking for some of the things we often look for: fiscal prudence, the issue of inflation, housing affordability, lowering Canada's debt to, to GDP ratio. Obviously, top of mind for Albertans and for the energy sector is reduced uncertainty related to climate change policy. We know that uh, there are changes that need to be made to the clean electricity regulations. The emissions cap submissions are being done for the 4th of February uh, in terms of feedback to what the government announced uh, in December. And so, you know, there's a focus on on, on that kind of certainty. We're still looking for more um, stronger uh, sort of direction in terms of uh, policies that support uh, technology adoption and digital growth across sectors, because I think what we really need to do, and this is the this is the productivity conversation that we don't really have in, in in great depth in this country, is that we really do need to increase per capita GDP. That means increasing productivity of the labor force, which means increasing digital adoption, the use of technology to make sure that we continue to to grow our economy. We can't continue to rely on 
what we've been doing in the past. And uh, this is something, this is mission critical for the country going forward. Deborah, I want to take it a step back because, you know, when I think of the, the Calgary Chamber, I think, you know, maybe I run a, a little business of my own and I join the Chamber, but I don't think that there could be a connection between an organization like the Chamber that I just became a part of and the federal government. So can you break down the relationship that the federal government might have with the different chambers across the country in the conduit to, to, to get your views to the federal government? Sure. I, you know, one of the things that one of the issues that we worked very closely with uh, sort of federal, provincial and municipal was was uh, making sure that we had um, uh, the affordable child care um, opportunities that are now that all, that Calgarians are now being able, Albertans are able to take advantage of. So it, it is it's things like that. But it's also about reducing red tape. We are talking about housing affordability because we know that, you know, there is, you know, there's federal uh, participation, but there's also provincial matching and the, and the cities have to come to the table. And so a lot of what the federal government policies do have an impact on Albertans, you know, whether they're talking about taxation, whether they're talking about access to services, obviously healthcare is a big one. Uh, you know, education is, is a, um, is, is a provincial purview, but uh, it's it's it, how the government federally sets the tone for the economy and economic development broadly speaking affects all of us in, 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 across the country, no matter where you where no matter where you are mm-hmm. in the in the country, big city or small. So very true. Uh, let's talk a little bit closer to home here. Uh, Western Canada Economic Forum. It was in Calgary. Your takeaway from it? Well, it's you know there was a lot of interesting conversations yesterday about what we need to do, uh, continue to to do, and obviously some of the things I just just raised were front and center. You know, labor, affordability, inflation, climate policy. So those are a lot of the things that uh, that were were discussed. Economic reconciliation, the economic outlook. There were you know we they really hit on a lot of the um, hot button issues that everybody's uh, right right now they're seized with. I'm wondering if you, if you can break this down for us, Deborah, because we, we've heard a lot about, um, you know, the uh, home assessments, for example, in the city of Calgary. The 7.8% that's being thrown around from City Hall and maybe looking at adjusting that when it comes to property taxes. Uh, do, do housing costs and the rise in housing costs have any impact on the Calgary Chamber? Absolutely. I mean, the rising housing costs is something that we look at in the broader context about how we continue to attract labor and be an affordable place for people to live. The reality is that we have we don't have the housing stock that we need to meet the demand. And so much of that, as we've said before, goes back to the fact that when the economy crashed in 2015, there was not a lot of investment in, in, in new housing because we didn't know what was going to happen from an economic standpoint. And so there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, you know capacity added. And then when things started to sort of uh, when the clouds started to lift, COVID happened, and so that caused other problems. I think you know we ha- nobody's been able to get ahead of this curve, and it is something that is going to you know we need to figure out how to how to deal with it. And obviously, Calgary is ahead of uh, some of the other major municipalities in terms of the downtown office conversions, but that's just not going to be enough in terms of uh, the you know, the pressure that we're seeing right now. When we talk about small businesses, I, I mean, you, you talked about it a lot. It's the, the engine that drives us, right? Yep. And we have so many, so many small businesses in this city. In 2024, what do you think some of the challenges and then some of the positives will be for small businesses, whether they're brand new or, or still fighting to stay alive? Well, you know, obviously one of the, the things we're watching carefully is to see what the impact of the CBA loan repayment deadline uh, will be, which happened last week, last Thursday. So. 
there's some concerns about what will that look like in, as businesses, who, who was able to pay it back, how have they refinanced, what, what the impact is going to be. But I think uh, really we're still seeing Calgary businesses, when we did a survey, 61% are, are still concerned with rising inflation. They're worried about uh, rising interest rates. I think yesterday's announcement by the Bank of Canada saying that it was not going to be raising rates and it was pretty evident from Tiff Macklin's uh, comments yesterday that they're done tightening. It's a question of when do the rates start to come down. So I think for businesses, that's actually one of those sides of relief. So, so when will that start to happen? And then, uh, and then, of course, it's the supply chain factor. And with what's going on in, in, in the Middle East and the Red Sea, that, again, we could see some upward pressure on, on, on goods that are being shipped from other parts of the world mm-hmm. that have to make it here. Deborah, before we let you go, I know that the Calgary Chamber, you folks and your team, you don't sit still. Lots always on the go. What's coming up that people can take advantage of being a, being a member? Well, you know, we, we you're right. We don't sit still. We have an Alberta Next um, event that's taking place on the 5th of March, which will be uh, addressing um, uh, the the agriculture sector. Uh, we have a number of... We, we Last week, we held a, uh, a an event addressing how you how you grow and scale your business and uh just yeah there's we we continue to have workshops for our members we have a membership workshop on wealth management on the 30th of of january next week which is something you know people as we start to get close to our rsp season people need to understand where they should be uh thinking about investing and managing their finances so it's 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 things like that that we're we're doing but anything else go to calgarychamber.com and have a look at our events page we're going to let you go because I think there's somebody at your door. <laughs> yep, there is somebody at my door. I'm sorry. No, no okay. worries at all. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate Thanks. your time. Thanks. Thanks, Bye. Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. We know the cost of everything uh, seems to be on the rise. It's expensive just to get by day by day. So just how much is federal and provincial debt costing us Canadians. Joining us to discuss the latest report from the Fraser Institute is Jake Fuss, Senior Economist. Good morning to you, Jake. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. Well, this report is the Federal and Provincial Debt Interest Cost for Canadians 2024 edition. Maybe not a lot flashy, maybe (laughs) not a lot of pictures, uh, but it's a deep dive. So tell us uh, what the key findings were for you, Jake. Yeah, well, governments across Canada have been accumulating debt over the last decade and a half. And this ultimately means that interest payments are growing over time, too, especially when we have, you know, interest rates that that have increased over time. Um, So Canadians in every province will pay more than $1,700 per person on debt interest payments due to federal and provincial government debt in 2023. Um, And this is a significant increase um, when we look to, you know, years past, um, particularly before COVID. Um, So this is definitely a growing trend over time now seeing these interest costs rising for Canadians. Jake, I mean, debt is a fact of life when you're running a, a country, a business, that sort of thing. But to, to see the ballooning debt that we have gotten to at this point, can we point our finger at anything specific? Well, ultimately what we've seen uh, really before COVID, during COVID and now after coming out of COVID as well, is governments basically assuming that interest rates were going to stay at a low level for a long time. Um, So they were borrowing significant amounts of money. Um, And then when you had interest rates ultimately starting to increase, um, then there's a consequence associated with all of that borrowing that's been done by federal and provincial governments 
Um, so now you have that total cost amounting to at least $1,700 per person in every province across Canada. So it's a significant expense now for Canadian families. You mentioned every province against uh, across Canada there, Jake, but uh, do some provinces face higher combined federal and provincial interest rate payments than other provinces? Are there regional differences? Yeah, there are pretty stark differences. So generally when we're looking at Western Canadian provinces, they generally fare better than some of the Eastern Canadian provinces. Um, so if we look at Newfoundland and Labrador, for instance, um, the total amount of interest costs that they pay per person is over $3,200. Um, the lowest is in British Columbia, which is just over $1,700 per person. Um, and then we also have yeah, you know, some of the other Western provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan that fare relatively well compared to some of the other Eastern Canadian provinces. Jake, when we look at you know, these interest payments on government debt, how does it relate back then to, say, health care, education, social services? Yeah, so with the, the rise in interest costs right now, especially for Albertans in particular, if we look at the combined amount that uh, Albertans spend on provincial and federal interest costs, they're spending nearly as much on government interest costs as they spend on K-12 education in the province. So this is a significant amount of money um, you know, that's going towards interest costs and it's not actually going towards health care or education or social services in the province. Um, but it is a significant amount of money um, when you're spending the same amount on K-12 education as you are paying on this government interest costs. Um, and that's also the case for other provinces too, like Ontario um, and Quebec. Um, they're spending basically the, the same amount on K-12 education when you factor in those federal interest costs too. Um, so it's a significant expense really across the country right now. Jake, I remember when we, we were talking about government debt, uh, just I think generally on the show at one point, a chat between Sue and myself, I said, listen, I, I know that in my house, I, I can't, uh, you know, continually run a debt. Some months, you know, it may be a little tighter, there's no question, but I make sure that I, I, I try my best not to. You know, I, I wouldn't uh, book a trip to Hawaii if I didn't have the money for it. And I said, why can't governments do the same? And people were saying, well, you know, you can't compare the two. Why can't we, Jake, why can't we hold governments to account and say, you know, in the end of the day, we're going to have to do without? No, I think it's a great question. I mean, because ultimately, um, you know, when it comes to government debt, yes, it is a little bit different than household debt. Um, but there are also similar circumstances as well. You Just like households, um, when they take out a loan or have a mortgage, they have to pay interest on their debt. Well, governments have the same thing. Um, and over time, eventually you have to make hard decisions. Um, you can't continue to borrow money forever and, and not expect there to be consequences. Um, back in the 1990s, um, you know, governments were running deficits for the better part of three decades, and eventually interest costs amounted to one in every three dollars of revenue that the government was taking in, um, so that it became a very significant expense. We're obviously not at that point yet um, right now, um, but it is starting to rise quite rapidly right now in Canada, um, and it's going to have continual consequences, especially for future generations of Canadians who will likely pay higher taxes in the future to pay back the debt that were accumulated and also the associated rise in interest costs over time as well. Okay, Jake, so with all we've just talked about, what are there any, what and what are they, policy recommendations the Fraser Institute's now suggesting based on this report? And, and do you have the government's ear at all? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think, you know, with interest rates where they are right now, I think this is becoming a bigger issue now for governments. And I've seen more attention paid to this, but ultimately governments do need to better control spending in their upcoming budgets um, that we're going to see over the next couple months here. Um, you know, there's been really a continual uh, plan to anytime you have new revenue to just spend it all. 
Um, and we've seen revenue actually increase quite rapidly for governments over the last few years, especially coming out of COVID. The issue has been that they spent all that money and then some. Um, so I think being more responsible with their spending, making sure they're disciplined moving forward, that's going to be really important to get back to balance budgets to try to reduce those interest payments over time as well. Interesting topic. Uh, thanks for the update, Jake. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Jake Fuss, Senior Economist with the Fraser Institute.